Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 151. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I am recording this podcast underneath the Christmas tree, enjoying a lovely eggnog. It's almost like this is my Christmas episode, but it's not. It's like my pre-Christmas episode, uh, but just feels very Christmassy today. Hopefully, all of you, wherever you are, whatever time of year it is that you're, you you have the Yuletide spirit, by which I mean you're thinking about sending me a present. Um, uh, feel free to email me if you need like clothing sizes or, or uh, you know, as Sally says in a Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, if it's too complicated, just send money. Uh, you know, how about tens or twenties? We can talk about that. But first, let's talk about Atari stuff. But first, before that, uh, how could I forget? It's time for a Mad Mike Hughes update. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. Starting to wonder what's going on. Mad Mike has not posted anything on his Facebook page since November 25th, when he said, Get ready for my next big announcement. Stay tuned. And then nothing. Let's see what's going on on his website. Well, nothing really new. Links to the March rocket launch. Links to the Rocket Man movie trailer. Shirts available for sale. That's about it. Hmm. Nothing really on on uh, Google either. Hmm. You're ruining my bit, Mad Mike. All right. Well, I guess. Was sort of a, a wimpy ending to the segment today. We'll just close up the uh, old segment for today. Play the theme, I guess. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. In other news, there is no other news. Um, Alright, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Activision. We do love us some Activision. 1983. I gotta say, whatever else you can say about the game, the manual looks really good. I like this manual a lot. Strap on your goggles, slip into your seat, and leave all of your fears in the pit. You're about to enter the race of your life. You'll be required to pass lots of cars each day, through sun and snow and fog and ice. Sunrise to sunset, as fast as you can, as long as you can. Welcome to the National Enduro. Using the joystick for this one, holding it, as always, with the red button in the upper left position, push the joystick right or left to move your car right or left. The red button is your accelerator. The longer you keep the button depressed, the faster your car will go until it reaches top speed. To coast at a constant speed, press the red button until the desired speed is reached. When you release the button, the speed will be maintained. This takes some getting used to, by the way. To slow down, release the red button and apply the brakes by pulling the joystick back. The number of cars you must pass is posted at the beginning of each day. 
in the lower right corner of your instrument panel. 200 the first day, 300 on subsequent days. Each time you pass a car, the meter counts off by one. When you pass the required number of cars, green flags appear, but keep going. All additional miles are added to your total. You'll move on to the next day when the present day ends. That's how days work. If you don't pass the required number of day, uh, cars by daybreak, the game ends. Special features of Enduro. Time, uh, time of day. From dawn to the black of night, you'll be on the road. Pay attention to the lighting and scenery. It represents the time of day, letting you know how much time is remaining, and use caution at night. You can only see the taillights of the other cars. Weather conditions keep changing, so brace yourself. Ice and fog. A white icy road means your car will be less responsive to your steering. A thick fog-shrouded screen gives you less time to react, since it will take longer uh, to see the cars up ahead. A realistic odometer registers the miles you've covered. Beneath the odometer is the day indicator, which keeps track of the number of days you've been on the enduro circuit. When the race is over, the mileage on the odometer and the day on the indicator represent your racing results or score. The race gets tougher with each new day. The other cars can travel faster and spread out across the road more and more, making it less, uh, making it harder to pass them. At this point, the manual starts to look kind of cool. On this page, you've got the view from the windshield, uh, cars up ahead, a car up ahead, and road signs and stuff. On the next page, you start to get the maps. Uh, they have a big map of the United States with it with a red line snaking across it, getting the feel of enduro racing. In preparing for a race, each pro driver checks out the course. Be sure to do the same thing. Get to know the timing of the weather and lighting conditions. Learn how your car responds to your touch. Slow down on the ice and keep your eyes on the pattern of the cars, uh, patterns of cars in the distance. Drive defensively since the other cars will not get out of your way. The fog will really test your reflexes. You'll need to slow down and develop a, a rapid steering response to make up the limited make up for the lack of visibility. Do you have the drive, the stamina, the grit to endure the road for five days or more? If so, an on-screen racing trophy will pop up before your very eyes. Now you can join the road busters and really start breaking records. Send us a photo of the TV screen showing your winning race results along with your name and address and we'll send you the official high performance emblem. If anyone has one of these, let me know. How to Become a Road Buster. Tips from Larry Miller, designer of Enduro. Larry Miller is a powerhouse game designer with a PhD in physics. When he isn't designing games, he may be sailing, skiing, or playing the piano. His most recent hit was Spider Fighter. And they quote Larry here, The best way to outlast other drivers is to pace yourself. You won't survive long if you stay at maximum speed because you'll keep hitting other cars. Go only as fast as it takes to pass the required number of cars each day. If you can choose between steering uh, into the side of the road or hitting another car, always steer into the roadside. It's just a minor setback, and you won't lose as much time. Always, er, Also, it's always better to go around diagonally paired cars than to squeeze between them. But if you must squeeze between them, keep your speed just above theirs, and be careful. Here's another tip. If you approach a group of cars that are really blocking the road, slow down. Let them disappear back into the distance ahead of you, then accelerate. When you meet up with these cars again, they will probably have changed their positions. I hope you enjoy the National Enduro as much as I enjoyed designing it. Drop me a, a card from your next pit stop. I'd love to hear from you, and please remember to fasten your seatbelts. Then they have a picture of Larry uh, next to a 1934 Invicta, one of the only five remaining in the world, courtesy of Paradise Motor Cars, Sacramento, California. The next page is just a big map, and we're told, From the time man learned to drive, he learned to race, and nothing has captured all the challenge and romance of that free-spirited sport like the long-distance endurance race. 1907, Peking to Paris. 7,500 miles, the earliest race of its kind. Winner, Italy's Prince Sipone 
Bardesi, 1936. Francois Louf drives the greatest distance ever covered in one year, 248,548 miles, the equivalent of about nine times around the equator. Wow, he must pee really fast with all those, you know, still going that far even with all the pit stops. The next page we have an even uh, more uh, attractive map labeled the Romance of Racing. 1953, the first safari rally, 3,874 miles through Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda. 1977, London to Sydney, over 19,329 miles, the long largest, sorry, the longest race of its kind ever held. Cars were ferried by ship. Although, you know, if you could get a car going fast enough to zoom across the ocean, that would be awesome. And that is how you play Enduro. Enduro, we're told on the internet, was one of the first video games ever to feature a day and night cycle, which was considered very impressive at the time as currently used in various open-world video games. In 1983, Activision ran the Enduro Race for Riches sweepstakes. Grand prize was a Datsun 280ZX pace car and a trip for two to Caesars Palace Grand Prix weekend. Second prize was a Datsun 200SX hatchback SL. Third prize was a trip for two to Caesars Palace Grand Prix weekend. Fourth prize was one of 50 radio-controlled cars. Fifth got one of 500 Activision Grand Prix video game cartridges. And sixth prize was one of 2,000 dots and racing posters. If a player succeeded to race five days or more, an on-screen racing trophy would pop up. We talked about this. That was the Activision Roadbuster. Enduro got the 1984 Best Sports Video Game Award at the 5th Annual Arties. Judges praised it for featuring some of the best graphics presented by 2600 and boasting an intriguing concept. Online video game database All Game referred to Enduro as the best driving game available for the 2600. In 85, Activision released the Great American Cross Country Road Race, a home computer game that follows the design of Enduro but with enhanced visuals, audio, and some additional gameplay elements. Enduro was later released as part of Activision's Atari 2600 Action Pack 2 in 95 and as part of the Activision Anthology Collection 2002. 8-Bit Central notes that Enduro had a challenge cut out for it to compete with pole position, which is, was quite popular, but it met the challenge. Enduro lacked the landscape, and the cars were a bit blocky, but they scaled nicely, and the game really connects with players once you get into its endurance progression. The single-player game is easy to learn, but difficult to maintain over time. Activision's Enduro may seem similar to pole position, but its endurance model will quickly separate it. Despite having slightly less attractive graphics, Enduro plays well and delivers a good racer. Atari HQ says that 2600 fans looking for the best thing their racing game has to offer need look no further. Activision Enduro is phenomenal. Enduro is the only racing game you need for your Atari 2600. Curiously, when I looked up Enduro Road Race on the internet, I got Motorcycle Races, a form of motorcycle sport run on an extended cross-country off-road course, consisting of many obstacles and challenges. Which makes me wonder why the Activision game isn't a motorcycle racing game. If anyone has an answer to that, let me know. After the break, hit the restroom. Grab your Snickers bar and your giant cup of coffee, because we're not getting out of the car until we get to Sydney. Those of you who happen to be listening in Sydney, Australia, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Just reverse what I said and make it like Des Moines or something. I sat here for five minutes trying to think of a clever wordplay on innuendo and enduro and came up with nothing. Insert your joke here. Alright, so I'm about ready to start enduro. It's a good looking game. Uh, although your car looks more like a spider than a car to me, but that's alright. 
Alright, let's see what we got. Hey, car passed me already. They go super fast, man. Alright. There I go. Whee! Now I guess I take my hand off the button. I'm maintaining cruising speed, whatever that is. The temptation in this game is to go as fast as you possibly can as you do in pole position. I went off the road, so I slowed down a little bit. Um, but that's not good strategy. Although I can't seem to convince my brain of that. Right, speeding up. Oops, I crashed. The manual says, ooh, freak snowstorm. Here I go. Whee! Come on. Oh man. The manual says when you come up on the car to avoid crashing it, you should just swerve to the side of the road. But you don't seem to have that much time. Whoa, I'm flying now. All these other guys are scared of the snow. They must be from southern United States. We Midwesterners don't worry about that. Apparently it's the non-snow times that are bad for us. Now the sun is coming up. We're going down actually. It's gonna be nighttime. Ooh, it's almost nighttime. I like the change of uh, daylight. That's very cool. I crashed again. Ooh, nighttime. I like how you get a combination, you get a little bit of the night driver experience. That's cool. Quit crashing into me. It's always the other guy's fault. Alright. I'm doing pretty good. Means I'm gonna crash here pretty soon. Yep, there we go. That's how my life works. Wow. Oops. Don't you dare pass me. There are no lines on these roads. Someone should talk to the city about that. I suspect I'm about out of time. Yep, there it is. I don't think I'm going to make my goal. I'm at 37, 38, 40. Sun's coming up. Am I going to see daylight? Oh no! Go, car! Oh man. That was the game farting, not me. Alright, back to you in the studio. I'll have to walk home, I guess. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Car by Car podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do! 
What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's the holiday season, which means it's time once again to tell you that in addition to the stories you hear every week on this podcast, I also write books. And one of those is called In the Saint Nick of Time, which is a holiday-themed story, go figure, in which Santa Claus himself is burned out. He's tired of being Santa. He quits. He ends up in the town of Santa Claus, Indiana, which is a real place, where he meets up with Cameron Jones, a famous author who is having his own troubles. He's fighting with his ex-wife over custody with their child. He is suffering about a writer's block and about of something else, which is causing him to have long conversations with a foul-mouthed, hallucinated goldfish. Cameron's buddy, Dogwater Hunt, has his own issues. Dogwater is an avowed conspiracy theorist and a multiple alien abductee. He is convinced that aliens are going to visit Earth once again on Christmas Eve, and he is intent on catching one. These three men are thrown together during the holiday season, and because it's a Christmas story, of course they have to save Christmas as we know it. But of course they learn a little bit about themselves and about friendship along the way. Now, this is a book in which Santa Claus appears, but it is not a Santa story for kids. This one is aimed squarely at adults, mostly because I looked around and thought, huh, nobody has really written a novel with a real-life Santa for adults. So I thought I would change that. In the Saint Nick of Time is my attempt to give adults the Santa that they didn't know they were missing. Go check it out. You can get the book wherever you order your books. All I ask is that you please leave a review at that place so that other people can see what you thought and so that they can find the book a little bit easier, not to mention the fact that it makes me feel better about myself. All right, well, happy holidays. So here's the thing about Enduro. I like this game a lot. I like the look of it. I like the racing of it. I like that it combines pole position and night driver. I probably still like... I don't know. I probably still like pole position as a racing game more, but I like the look of Enduro more, uh, largely because it has that night driver element to it. You know, in pole position, you're trying to beat a certain time. In this one, you're trying to pass a certain number of cars. Uh, it seems more intuitive to me to have it based on time. You've got to set time amount. Uh, you know, you got you to beat the time trials. Just counting the number of cars you're passing seems a little more, maybe not complicated, but uh, a little uh, less intuitive. I keep coming back to intuitive as the word. But I do really like the game. So now it's time for this week's story. This week's story is titled Journey's End. Carl rounded the curve and eased into the straightaway. Fog was setting in at San Francisco for you, but it shouldn't be too much of a problem. Two other cars jockeyed for positions in front of him, but Carl, though terrible at the old video game pole position, knew he was an excellent driver and managed to stay ahead of them. Carl checked the readout on his JourneyMinder navigation app. JourneyMinder was the startup company he founded with college friends Zuri and Jessica. Their new map app could tell you how, off, how to get from A to B with unprecedented accuracy and reassess for unforeseen weather 
construction delays, or simply the whims of the driver within milliseconds. Journeyminder was poised to put Carl's company on, well, on the map. But there was a problem. For decades, the government made military global positioning satellites freely available to civilians with only limited exceptions. So, of course, people took advantage, overloading the system. Eventually, the government decided that further access would only be granted to the developers who won Enduro, a long-distance, non-stop endurance race across the country. And so, like the racers of a bygone age, the drivers got behind the wheel and put their apps where their mouths were. Carl pressed the button for a hands-free phone. Jessica back at Journeyminder HQ answered, Carl, how are you? I miss you guys. Also, I'd like a butt massage. Not necessarily in that order. Jessica laughed. <laughs> What's Journeyminder say? Carl glanced down. East on I-90, 14 miles out of San Fran, 68 degrees. Also, apparently I'm in the mood for a smoothie. Jessica glanced at Zuri, who was looking at a computer screen. She only shook her head. Also, Carl went on, my favorite band is playing nearby. Only a 40-mile detour. Want to go? Anytime, Jessica said, but right now you've got work to do. You're lost, Carl said, over and out. Wait, Carl, Jessica said, but Carl had already disconnected. Jessica hung her head. There must be something else she could do. You gotta tell him, Zuri said. No, Jessica said, that... That will just make this worse. Carl didn't answer his phone for a long time after that. Jessica spent the time, it seemed, having conversations like this. Person A. Any news? Jessica. Not yet. Person A. It'll be fine. Jessica. I know. Finally, after about four hours, Carl called. Zuri grabbed the phone this time. Reno, baby, Carl said. Want me to play some bets for you? Carl, where have you been? Reno. Pretty sure I just said that. Carl, Zuri said, focus. The app isn't working, and it seems to have disabled the locator on your phone. You need to tell us where you are. No time, Carl said. I just gotta pass this joker. Get it? Like in a deck of cards, the joker? Anyway, I got a date with Lady Luck. See ya. The call ended. Jessica came in with coffees. Was that him? Zuri nodded. He says Reno. Jessica sent a text. Got it. She sent her in on as she had with every other call, but so far, it wasn't helping. Carl called again. It's raining, it's pouring, the old man is kicking ass in this race. Google just crapped out. Scare of the rain, I guess. Rain? Jessica said. The Reno forecast doesn't say rain today. What else do you see, Carl? Look around. Reno? Carl said. I meant the biggest MFing ball of twine in the world, y'all. Think I'll go and ravel it. Later. He hung up. Zuri looked up from her phone. The biggest ball of twine is in Cocker, Kansas. He couldn't have gotten there in five minutes. He could be messing with us, Jessica pointed out. For three days? First it was Disneyland, then Mount Rushmore, the Eiffel Tower. He even claimed to be at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, Zuri said. A joke is one thing, but this... He doesn't know where he is. And the cops... But we don't have a lot of time, Jess. Yeah, I know what they said, Jessica said. They'll find him. Zuri checked the Enduro race stats. If you're wondering, though, Keister Connection just took the lead. Jessica snorted, most derisively. Keister Connection was another new application. Their slogan was, Finally find your ass with both hands, thanks to our app. Printed over a cartoony dude grabbing his own backside. Jessica laid her head on Zuri's shoulder. He should have taken someone with him. Or, I don't know, we shouldn't have let him go at all or something. We all thought it'd be fine, Zuri said. It was his choice. It doesn't make me feel any better. The two drifted to sleep. A few hours later, the thrum of Jessica's vibrating phone on the Lucite work table woke them. Jessica tapped the speakerphone button. It was Carl, but different. Jessica? 
Carl Crow, uncertain. It's dark here. Carl, where are you? Jessica asked. I'm cold, Carl said. It's snowing, maybe. Dunno, it's pretty dark. Tell me where you are, Carl, Zuri said. We'll come get you. I'm cold, guys, Carl said. The car doesn't want to go. Where are you, Carl? Jessica said. Damn it, help is coming. We just don't know how to find you. It hurts, Carl said. I don't feel so good. Where are your meds, Carl? Zuri said. Long pause. Longer pause. Oh, God, Jessica said. More pausing. The road, Carl said finally. It went east? I didn't. Whoops. Carl, Zuri and Jessica said at the same time. Jessica added, Take your meds, Carl. They'll help. Can't reach them, guys, Carl said. Hurt pretty bad. Jessica and Zuri glanced at each other. Zuri used her own phone to text her, her contact at the PD. Just stay on the line with us this time, okay, Carl? Jessica said. Okay, Carl said. Hey, guys, you know what? What, Carl? Jessica said. Journey minder? Really sucks. The laughter of tension release mingled with sirens as the rescue vehicles approached, finally. The ravine in which Carl's car came to rest. The other enduro cars zoomed by, only slowed a tad by the rubbernecking. Endurance comes in many forms. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. Thanks to Mike Mann for his Mad Mike Hughes update theme. Find show notes at ataribytes.libson.com. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And, of course, check out our occasional weirdness on Instagram. Listen to Atari Bytes wherever fine podcasts are sold, distributed, or foisted upon you, like so many flyers from politicians in an election year. But remember to slow down just enough to slide into Apple Podcasts for a review-leaving a review leaving pit stop, then get back into the race. Also, please consider supporting the show financially on our Patreon page. We use that money for hosting fees, equipment, all the stuff like that to bring you this podcasting gold every single week. And if you have time, check out my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your Peanuts-related needs. Anything you've ever wanted to know about Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Charles Schultz, all of them, on screen or off screen, we cover it over there on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bites. It's Christmas, y'all. So, in an episode we're calling, Twas the Night Before Atari Christmas. We're going to find out exactly what that means. Strap on your jingle bells and join us. So, until next time... Go play some old games. They've missed you.